Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Give God some glory, church. Give God some glory. Come on. I don't know how y'all were sitting down during that song they just sang, but Jesus is mine. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. He paid a debt he didn't owe because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. If you remain standing for just a moment, we're going to read the scripture together here in a minute, and I believe it is in place to respect the word of God. Can I hear an amen? It's great to have mom. I told her, I said, I wouldn't have drove six hours to hear me preach. But we're glad she's here. It, is, it, it has always been interesting and intriguing to me upon this my third invitation to, to stand behind this sacred desk and impart the word of God to you. That it has always felt that it is an intense assignment. And today I do not want you to hear a word that I have to say. I believe that somehow today that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to this house. Not just to individuals, although that is inclusive. But I am on assignment today with, I believe, bread from heaven to impart to you the word of the living God that is active and alive, that is quick and powerful, that is sharper than a sword, that pierces the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Your pastor and I sat after the awesome event last night. Thank you for letting me share the stories of three of my buddies my hunting buddies. And we were talking about shifts, God moments, when there's a shift in the spirit realm over a house. I want to speak to you this morning. This is the title. I want you to look at somebody and say, how bad do you want it? Look at somebody else around you and ask them the question, how bad do you want it? Now remain standing with me for just a moment. When God speaks, he speaks on multiple dimensions. It is only an untrained ear that believes that when God speaks, What he speaks is all he said. It is a discerning ear that hears the many levels that God is speaking on. And we need to have in this day, in the church, a discerning ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
The Bible says that when Jesus was about to be delivered to Pontius Pilate and the soldiers were coming into the garden to take him away, that Peter just quickly took out his sword and cut off the ear of the soldier. You remember that story? Now listen to me for just a moment and then I'll read the word. Peter in the New Testament comes from the word Petros. He is a representative of the church. Peter represents the church. And I prophesy, prophesy to you by saying that in the past, many churches, many Petros have cut off our ear with the sword. Stay with me. Many churches have cut off our ear with the word of God and our ear has fallen into the dirt. We all know that man was made of the dust of the ground, made from dirt, and our ear has fallen into the flesh realm. Oh God. To the point... That the church no longer hears what the Spirit is saying. The church in general for too long has been hearing from the flesh. But I believe today, March the 8th, 2020, that Jesus is stretching forth a healing hand to the ground to pick up our ear out of the flesh realm and put it back on its head so that we might hear what the Spirit of God is saying today. My God. We all know, we that have been in church for some time, that God does not always meet us where we've been. He meets with us on multiple dimensions. And I hope you came to church this morning to receive an impartation of God's word for the next level. Say next level. Say it's a new season at Summerton. I want to do what God's doing. I want to be what God desires for me to be. Now holler this. I want to hear the Spirit speak to me today. Give him praise. Go with me to 2 Kings. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 2. Let me quickly read these verses. And when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elisha said, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said to him, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. And then Elijah, Elisha said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. 
And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so they went to Jericho. And the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, but do not speak of it. And then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. And Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. And the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha said. For you, he said, have asked a difficult thing. But, watch this. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire and it drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, hide me. I pray today for a divine invasion of Holy Spirit power, anointing, revelation, and truth. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable and pleasing to you alone, O oh God. In these next few minutes, bring an impartation of your word into our life that will be transforming. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. Thank you. If you have your Bibles... I feel it necessary to revert back for just a moment to the book of 1 Kings 19, where Elisha is commissioned. Let's look at these verses for a moment. And so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him and said, Elisha then left his, Elisha left, the, left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Elijah replied, go back for what have I to do with you? What have I done to you? And so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment and he took and cooked the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. 
Now, in a chronological order of events in this passage of Scripture, we understand that Elijah the prophet has just called down fire from heaven and destroyed all of the false prophets of Baal. In the process, this prophet prophesies to King Ahab that it's going to rain. It had not rained for the space of three and a half years, and Elijah prophesied that God is going to send rain and the earth is going to yield its produce. But if you look back in Kings chapter 18 and verse 46, this is what the Bible tells us. It says that Elijah gird his loins and runs ahead of the chariots and horses. Now note something. A man outruns a chariot of horses. Now that is humanly impossible. But I want you to understand something. Elijah was moving in prophetic time. Say that. Elijah was moving in prophetic time. A church that's prophetic and apostolic will always, say always, always be ahead, glory, of the move of God. <laughs> A prophetic church will be declaring the next move of God while the rest of the church is stuck in the past move of God. A prophetic church will be doing what God has called it to do before it is fashionable to be doing it. And by the time the rest of the body of Christ catches up to where you are, you've already moved on to the next move of God. Now, that can be a frustrating thing for the house because there's not any sermon series to buy online. There are no podcasts to listen to because you are pioneering, oh glory, you are pioneering and trailblazing a new move of God and there are no books to read. There are no authors to listen to because here's the deal. You cannot even miss one Sunday service because you never know when divine direction is coming to this house. And in a prophetic church, you can miss one service and the whole spirit of that church can shift in one message, one truth, or one revelation. Somebody say amen. Whenever people and churches move in a prophetic anointing, they will be doing what God is doing when God is doing it. Because you see, time is a figment of our imagination. Time for us is simply what we perceive it to be. We felt the effects of time this morning by losing an hour of sleep. Time for God is nothing. God is eternal. God is omnipresent. He is not limited by time and space. 
So to be truthful with you, there is no such thing as a, quote, move of God because God has never moved. <laughs> Let me demonstrate it. I'm standing here right now And now I'm standing here. For me to get from there to here, I had to move. You with me? That means there had to be a cessation of my being here for me to move from this place to another. I had to cease to be there to be over here. I can cease to be there to be over here and there will still be. But if God ceases to be there to be here, there will cease to be because there's dependence and existence is based on God being there. Oh, are you with me? So, when I say that God moved, God didn't actually move, but I moved in God. And I saw things in God that I never seen before. Now granted, these things have always been there, but God started to move me. And the reason, help me Lord, the reason the church wants God to move it's because, frankly, we're too lazy to move to where God wants us to be. So here's what God says. I ain't moving. He says, there are realms in me that you have yet to experience. So you have to move to where I am. Are you with me? Summerton, listen to me this morning. God is taking us to places that have been there in the spirit realm for eternity. He's begging for somebody to be bold enough to tread where angels fear to tread and to walk in places and dimension that most men have only dreamed about. We need an Elijah anointing to run ahead of everyone else and the move of God and see what the Lord is doing tomorrow, today. Why? He's called the omnipresent God, is he not? What does that mean, Pastor Rod? It means that he is everywhere at the same time all the time. Is he not? Time and space continuous. Now, let me teach you something. I didn't know this until a few years ago when God gave me this revelation. That's why the only real time is now. Say that. The only time that's eternal is now. Here's the problem with the church. We think and perhaps have been taught 
that eternity is way out yonder in front of us somewhere. (laughs) We think that it's way out yonder ahead of us. Eternity cannot be that way because that way will eventually be that way behind. Your future will eventually be your past. Let me prove it to you. One, two, three, four, five. What time is it? Now. Oh, don't lose me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What time is it? That just became my past. If that's true with ten seconds, it's true about ten years, a thousand years, ten thousand years. Your future will end up being someone else's past. So if the future isn't eternal, what is eternal? What time is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What time is it? Ten years from now, It'll still be now. 1,000 years from now, it will still be now. You can't describe now. What do you mean? If I take my camera out and take a picture now, by the time it loads into my photos, it is then. If you try to describe now, by the time that the words come out of your mouth, it will be then. Only, write this down, only now is eternal. Because it will always be. That's why faith. Only works. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of of God. Isaiah 43. What does he say? You see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it will spring forth. John 5:25. The hour cometh and now is. Oh, there you go. You stumped me now, preacher. That sounds like a contradiction. How many of you have ever read something in the Bible and you just were like Say what? Look at the words of Jesus. The hour cometh and now is. That appears to be a contradiction. So, Pastor Rod, is it coming or is it now? 
It all depends on your perception. It's coming for those who can wait for it. But for those who have stepped out of time into eternity, now, what others, oh God, what others in the house are waiting for, you are receiving some folks walk out of here waiting for their blessing. Some of you leave today blessed. Some of you are waiting for your healing to manifest while somebody's walking out of this room today healed. Are you listening? Here's what we haven't understood in the church. Look at this. The problem with believing for something is that we move our present experience to a future date. Because understand, as long as I'm believing for it, I'm not going to get it. Am I helping anybody? If you ask, Pastor Rod, have you got it? No, I'm still believing for it. Guess what you just did? You just moved it away from you again. Write this down. I'm not believing for it. I'm believing from it. It's already done. It just has manifested in the earth realm yet. That's true of the future. It's also true of the past. So hang out with me for another minute because I want you to understand something about prophetic time. One Hebrew scholar wrote these words. Look at this. That God must abide in all times at the same time, lest if God cease to abide in any time, that time ceases to be, and all the time based on that time is discontinued. Wow. Look at somebody say, wow. Say it backwards. I want that to sink in for just a moment. Look at that one more time. Read it silently and just look at it one more time because that is a profound statement by a scholar. Can I illustrate to you Genesis chapter 1, the creation of this world? And I think it will help you realize something that perhaps you've never understood in the scripture before. In Genesis chapter 1, on the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. Amen? On the second day of creation, the Bible teaches us that God created the firmament. However, if God moved his entire being from the first day of creation into the second day when he divided the waters and expanded the skies, the light that he created in the first day would have ceased to exist. You with me? On the third day, God created plant life and seed-bearing trees. But while he was in the third day, he was still eternal God in the second day, speaking to the skies and the waters and expanse. And he was still in the first day saying, let there be light. On the fourth day, the Bible tells us, 
that he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. On the fifth day, he formed man from the dust, or excuse me, he created the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. On the sixth day, he formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed life into his body. And finally, on the seventh day, he looks back over everything that he had made and he said, man, I am bad as I can be. I am off the chain, baby. Okay, preacher, so what does that have to do with anything? Do not miss what I'm about to say. That means if God is still there and you get diagnosed with cancer, the doctor can only treat the cancer that you have in your body now. But the cancer that you have today, you didn't get today. It was genetically passed down to you from a great-grandparent or a grandparent or a parent. But they can't treat your great-great-grandparent because they're dead now. And so the possibility is that the doctors can only treat the cancer that you have today. But the likelihood of your children inheriting the same gene, that risk is high. But when God heals, he can step back into your past and find the very first cell of cancer that mutilated your family member and speak to that cell so that not only are you cured and healed from that disease, but every person that comes after you does not have to be subject to that disease. My God, is anybody hearing what the Spirit of God is saying? What time is it? What time is it? How bad do you want it? My God. A prophetic church. Can I just throw this out there? See, I've been here three times. I should be able to get by with this. We're either going to be a prophetic church or a pathetic church. It's our choice. A prophetic church can function in all of those realms because it's everywhere at the same time. We don't have to worry about our dysfunctional grandfather. We don't have to worry about our addicted parent because even though they may be dead and buried, God can still get there and speak one word from his mouth and cause that generational curse to be stopped. So notice, Elijah runs ahead of Ahab's chariot. 
And then immediately following this amazing Sunday morning service at the church of Elijah on Sunday, Monday morning, guess where he's at? He's sitting under a juniper tree, all deep down depressed and discouraged. Oh, God, it is enough. I'm no better than my father's. <laughs> and the Bible says that Elijah finally goes to sleep under the tree, and when he wakes, there's a cruise of water by his head. You do know that water is a symbol of the word of God. We are washed by the water of the word. Amen? Where the body doesn't have a mouth. Your body, that's from your neck down, doesn't have a mouth. Right? Only the head has a mouth. When Jesus Christ came on the scene, John the Baptist, his forerunner, had to be beheaded. I always wondered why. Why'd they cut John's head off? They had to. Because there was only going to be one head. And his name is Jesus. He's the head of the church. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so John had to be beheaded so that Jesus Christ could therefore be the head. John was a type, stay with me, John was a type of the old move of God. Therefore, he had to lose his head because Jesus is now coming on the scene and he's going to be the head of the church, the body of Christ. So what does Elijah do? Elijah drinks the water. He goes back to sleep. He wakes up and he finds a cake of angel bread awaiting him. The Bible said that he eats the cake. He's given supernatural strength to carry on and travel for 40 days. God knew the process that Elijah had to go through. And what God did, he gave. And I, I want you to get this. God gave. Let me tell you what I prayed for that dear precious God. I was so broken this morning when that announcement was made. I've lost a spouse. I know what it feels like. But a spouse carrying an eight-month-old baby. Here's what I prayed for that young husband and that church down the street today. God, give them a taste of your glory so they can endure their current pain. It's the only way we make it through. Is for God to give us a taste of the glory, a glimpse of the eternal. What God did was give Elijah a taste of his future glory to sustain him through his present pain. Do not miss this. For every great purpose, there is a greater process. Because as long as there is no cost or pain in the process, you will never connect value to your promise. How many of you have got teenagers? Yeah, and sometimes even college students, glory to God. And you know, these kids, man, especially if they're in athletics, they always want those two, three, four hundred dollar pair of sneakers. 
And so, you know, finally you save enough money as a good parent and you go buy that $300 pair of sneakers and here they come home a week later dirty, they're muddy, they're scuffed up, and they leave them out in the rain. Why is that? Because they don't connect any value to their promise, to their blessing. They don't connect any value to it. But then you as a parent decide to make a Holy Ghost decision. And that is for your young man or woman in your life to get a job and they have to pay for those $300 sneakers themselves. Guess what? You can't find your toothbrush the next morning because little Johnny has it in the bedroom cleaning the sidewalls on those sneakers. Can I hear an amen? What happened? Huh? What happened? They understand worth and value. God does not give us anything without acquainting us with the value of process. And then when we attain that promise, it's more precious to us. Elijah tasted of his future glory to ease him of his present pain. When you come in here on Sunday morning, you don't just come here to feel better or look good. You come expecting to get some vision of your potential and tasting of the future glory that you desire. You haven't laid claim to it yet. You haven't gotten the money in your hand right now. You don't have the land or the house or the building yet. You don't get the promotion yet. You haven't gotten what you desire but something inside of you is telling you that God is going to bring those things to pass that you've gone through the process for. Are you with me? You know that you know that you know it don't matter what somebody else says. It don't matter other people's opinion. You just know that you know that you know because the Spirit of God has bore witness with your spirit and although you're not walking in it yet, you know it's coming forth. Now is the time. You see, God will give you a vision of future glory so that you will be faithful in the process. Nobody else can see it but you. In fact, whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> if you had any idea who you were sitting next to today, you wouldn't be running up here after church trying to get my phone number. If you only knew. If you only knew. Ladies, if you only knew. Oh, you might not look like much right now. But if people just knew what God sees in you, they'd be asking for your telephone number. If they only knew. Go with me to 1 Kings 19. And so he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. And yes, God, here I am. I'm the only one left in this army of God. You see me, Jesus? 
Yeah, right here. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Boy, that was with a small b. Go out and stand on the mountain in the whew, presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after, underline these words, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. I've probably read that 200 times in my 37, 38 years of ministry. And I never figured this out. The Bible says that Elijah ate bread. It sustained him for 40 days and nights. The wind came, the earthquake came, the fire came, and God wasn't in any of it. But notice that God spoke after it. What are you saying, preacher? God will speak after the wind, after the earthquake, after the fire. Because you see, my friend, he has to destroy everything in us that's not built on the kingdom of God. The earthquake will shake it, the fire will burn it, and the wind will blow it out of your life. Some of you in this room today have been asking the question, why am I going through this? Why? Because God wants to say something to you. My God. Don't despise the process. God wants to say something to you. So what does he have to do? He has to shake up everything that you thought you believed. And he has to shake all of those Church of God traditions out. You do understand the Bible says that the traditions of men make the word of God ineffective. Just thought I'd throw that out hear me. He has to get rid of all of that stuff so that when you come over here, I will speak and your ear will discern my voice. Hear me by the Holy Spirit, please. Hear me by the Holy Spirit. When stuff, say stuff. Now, if we were in a more liberal church, I would have added a different word. I'll let you decide what that is. I'm just playing. God, I got in the flesh. Hey, Jeremy, when stuff, my God, starts to go wrong, I'm learning to get excited because that just simply means God is about. Oh, my God, I feel a wave of the presence of the Lord. 
I'm learning. I ain't learned it yet. I ain't arrived. But I'm learning to get excited because God is about to speak. And hear me now. When everything is going well, I get worried because that usually means God ain't got nothing to say to me. Can I give you a rhema word from heaven today? Write this down. The enemy is only allowed to attack you where God's word <laughs> has presently affirmed you. Now I've got to be quick. I've got to get to Elisha. 1 Kings 19, 19. So when Elijah, he went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, and he was plowing, look at this, he was plowing, underlined, 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Say 12. How many of you know that 12 is the number of apostolic anointing? Did you know that? 12. There's 12 patriarchs. There's 12 tribes of Israel. There's 12 apostles. There's 12 gates. There's 12 foundations to heaven. Elijah was plowing with the 12th yoke of oxen. Here's what I want you to hear. Listen to me, Summerton Church of God. You have not been set on this hill just for passers-by to say, Oh, look at that big church. Oh, and by the way, congratulations on the beautification of this holy auditorium. And yes, you didn't ask for my opinion, but those seats are a whole lot more comfortable than pews. Especially if you get next to somebody that's larger than you are. Apostolic ministries are called to break up the fallow ground. Apostolic leaders will deal with issues that other ministers are afraid to deal with and avoid because they're called to break up what religion has pressed down. I'm going to preach in a minute. This prophet is plowing and some of you, some of your hearts have been plowed since this couple arrived as your pastors. Your agendas have been plowed. Your little plans have been plowed. You had your life all mapped up and all planned out. What you were going to have by so-and-so and settling for mediocrity. And No, you didn't want much. Just a little house and two and a half kids and retiring on your 401k and a little cottage at the beach. And your whole life was planned out. And somehow all of of a sudden when the word of God came across this desk and hit you and broke up your fallow ground you started believing God for stuff that you've never believed him for the word of God some of you were wondering where did that come from 
the word of God broke in on you and you started believing for stuff that you had never imagined. A bigger church, more buildings, renovated facilities, a diversified congregation, greater influence, more tithes and offerings, a larger budget, budget added staff, regional impact, community outreach, talk of the town. Here's the question. Look at somebody, ask them, how bad do we want it? I've got to hurry. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, I believe it's chapter 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And for most of us Christians, when we read that scripture, we're prone to concentrate and focus on what the devil was doing in those days. And what we need to do is shift our focus and not look at what Satan was doing in the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah and all of those things, but what was God doing in those days. And I found two things. Write them down. Number one, <clears throat> he broke open the heavens. And if there has ever been a day, I just turned 58 years old. I know I don't look it, but my mother's the only one that said anything. <laughs> She's going to be 79 in April. I knew I'd find a place to work it in. And we're taking applications. She's single and looking. She didn't come here to hear me preach. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting in the flesh again. <laughs> Woo, I'm in trouble now. He broke open the heavens. And look at this. He broke open the fountains of the deep. In the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, he broke open the heavens and he broke open the fountains of the deep. Can I prophesy to you this morning? Musician, come and just play quietly, please. Some of you came to this church just happy. You weren't messing with nobody. Pay your tithes, go home, have a great week, come back next Sunday. You come to church, you go home. But somewhere in time, over the past three and a half years, the preaching that came across this pulpit broke open the fountains of your deep. And what fed you before stopped feeding you. Something inside you says there has to be more. And what you settled for yesterday, you can't settle for anymore, church. What met your needs yesterday won't need, meet your spiritual needs anymore. And here's what happened, Pastor Jamie. Deep started calling to deep. And you realized there has to be more. There's a part of you that keeps saying, this thing, listen, this thing is either all right or it's all wrong. 
Either God can do it all or he can't do any of it. Are you with me? And you finally started believing God for things that you never dreamed about believing him for. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. People will hate you when you break out of the mold. In fact, there's some haters in here this morning. Ooh, let's see. Can I? I'm not sure I can go there. How many of you know and understand that dysfunction is easily hidden by other dysfunction? Nobody will know you're crazy as long as you're hanging out with folks that are messed up all the time. Come on, that's the truth. But the moment, my God, I feel this presence. The moment that you decide to break out of all of that mess, Pastor Rod, I'm breaking out of poverty. I'm breaking out of addiction. I'm breaking out of hate and anger and bitterness and resentment. I'm breaking out of my religious traditions and I'm going to move into the fresh things of God. I'm breaking out of this level and I'm moving to the next level. Listen to me. Some folks want to keep you down and hold you back. Oh, listen, there are some folks that want to hold this church in a past move of God. So I ask you today, how bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to stand up if you hear an opposing comment? Do you want it bad enough to stand up and say, I'm here, Pastor Victor. I ain't leaving. There ain't nothing going to make me leave. I'm staying. I know where my blessing comes from. I know where the anointing comes from. And you're not getting rid of me. My God. How bad do you want it? Do you want it to stay through the good, the bad, the ugly, and come back round again? Listen to this. Listen to this. I know. You stand up. That'll make me stop. Probably not, but I'll try. You know, this is something that most of us Christians don't realize. The people that you hang out with are a prophecy of where you're going. Who I hang out with today will determine what I will be tomorrow. Ladies, am I preaching the truth? I don't know all of your past, but I've heard just a little bit. God bless you. Holy Spirit. She wants it real bad. Healing in her body. Just close your eyes. The Holy Spirit's working and moving. Just close your eyes. I don't care what time it is. God wants to do something in this house. I don't know about you, but I would rather hang out with giants and have something to press toward than to hang out with losers and have nothing to live with. 
Look at these verses, 19 and 20. So Elijah went and found Elisha. There were 12 teams of oxen. He was plowing with the 12th team. And here's what Elijah does. He comes and he throws his cloak across his shoulders, and then he walks away. 12 represents the number of apostolic anointing. The Bible says that Elijah threw his mantle, his robe, his tallit, his prayer shawl on Elisha. And Elisha says to Elijah, listen, here's what he says. Let me go back and kiss my mother and father goodbye. Stay with me. Note, we must be willing to kiss the past move of God goodbye. Whoa, 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 wait a minute before you clap. That means, listen to me. You see, I, I'm, I'm born and raised in, in the church of God. I'm third generation. I've been in ministry 37 years. And I'm not one of these whippersnappers coming up in the church that despise and, respect and disrespect everything God's done in the past. I don't. Now, I will tell you, I'll be honest with you, not everything I was taught as a kid was truth. Some of it was tradition that wasn't the Word of God. And that affected me for a little while till I grew up and understand things on my own. But I'm not of the opinion that we disrespect or despise the previous move of God. That's not what I'm suggesting in this house. Listen to me. We have to respect it and what God did through it. But we have to be willing to go with what God is doing now. The danger with some is that too often when we go after a fresh move of God, we, dis we tend to despise the previous move of God. Church, we can't despise any past move of God in this house through which your parents and grandparents taught us some good stuff. So this is what Elijah said. Go back. What have I to do with you? What have I done to you? And that statement somewhat confused Elisha. He was just simply minding his own business. He was plowing the field with 12 yoke of oxen. The man of God approaches him and throws his mantle over him. And I think Elisha took a step or two back and said, Dude, you came to me. You called me. I didn't call you. Don't you just love it? When you've got your life all planned out, God places an anointing upon your life and then he ignores you after he anoints you. For in this instance, Elijah was saying, Elisha, you've got an opportunity to go back. Sometimes God subtracts before he adds. Sometimes God divides before he multiplies. I don't get it, but it's his plan and his church and his people, not mine. But I can tell you today that if you did not hear me, but you heard the Holy Spirit, I come into agreement with this house that this is a pivotal moment in the history of the Summerton Church of God. Not because I'm here. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. But because the word of the Lord is not rare in this house. Come on, y'all do better than that for your pastor. I said the word of the Lord is not rare in this house. And here's what I can tell you as a retired pastor, glory to God. 
follow them as they follow God. Here's what I want you to know, and I'm done. You, just like Elisha, will have multiple opportunities to disconnect from God's purpose in this house and with this pastor. You will have multiple opportunities to disconnect. But the only people who get it are the people who want it bad enough to stay. Pastor, I'm staying and you ain't getting rid of me. Somebody shout it out to you, Pastor. Somebody shout it out. Pastor, I'm staying and you ain't getting rid of me. I know where my anointing flows. I know where my blessing comes from. I know who feeds me. I know who prays for me. I know who shepherds my heart. Say, Pastor, I'm staying. You can't get rid of me. I close with this last statement, I promise. Man, I've closed more times today than I have in months. I heard an anointed preacher one time say this. If God sent you here, you can't leave. Oh, I'm not done yet. Don't clap yet. You might not like the last part. But if God didn't send you here, you can't stay. That's wisdom. Because you do understand the steps of righteous people are ordered of the Lord. God plants shepherds. God brings sheep. God gathers people. How bad do you want it? Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, I've... I've told them what you told me. I've imparted what you gave me. And now it's up to you. I can do nothing. I'm just a pipe. You're the power. I'm just a channel. You're the blessing. God, I sense something so supernatural transitioning in this house. I sense a shift to another level, to a new realm of spiritual growth and awakening and renewal and revival and anointing. God, I pray over this pastor and his precious wife for new strength, a new touch, for this is a new season. Folks, I I know that Satan has tried to stop the move of God in this house. I know he's done that. He's not only done that in the physical realm, he's done that in the spiritual realm. There There have been spirits assigned to this house to stop the new move of God that God wants to bring. And I still believe with all that is within me 
This house was not built to be half full. It was built to be full, not just with people, but with the glory of God. If God spoke to you today about anything through this message, get out of your seat right now. I want to pray for you. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.